Hi everyone and welcome to Marketplace Jungle, where we look at the world of e-commerce marketplaces beyond Amazon. I'm your host, Jesse Ragg from eChameleon. Today's guest has been working with the top FMCG brands and brand aggregators in Europe and the UK for over a decade, helping them to secure the best talent for their growing e-commerce teams. Andy Davis is an e-commerce recruiter and founder of Nurture Talent, and in this episode you can expect to learn what the big players are learning from marketplace-first brands, who you should hire first if you want to transform your marketplace business into a B2B business, why your Amazon expert might not be the best person to help you expand into new marketplaces, which roles to have in-house and which you can outsource, and how to leverage your existing team for new expansion opportunities. Andy, thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of Marketplace Jungle. Pleasure. Andy, you're an expert in the recruitment scene, specialized in e-commerce and consumer goods. And I wanted to bring you on to talk about how to build a marketplace dream team, I guess. Well, I want to look at how a e-commerce business, whether it's a, a pure play e-commerce that's focused only on online, maybe even only on marketplaces, or if it's a traditional brand that's looking at e-commerce as a way to go direct to consumer for the first time, I'd like to get your opinion on what that dream team looks like. Who do I need to hire? Where do I find them? What things can we do in-house versus what should we outsource? Um, and yeah, let's see how it goes. But before we jump into that, perhaps we can take a moment for you to introduce yourself, tell our listeners who you are, how you got into the recruitment space and how that's evolved into e-commerce and who your typical customers are. Sure. Thanks, Jesse. Um yeah, so I, um, as you mentioned, recruiter specialised in the the ecom space, but particularly within consumer. And my kind of journey into that started out in really like the kind of blue chip FMCG world, recruiting into sales and marketing predominantly. Um, Ten years ago now, so pretty much to the to the day I started in that space. At that point, most of our clients didn't have much of an e-commerce presence at all or it was certainly an afterthought and pretty much something that was managed as a a small part of someone else's job you know if you looked after tesco you looked after tesco.com if you looked after you know sainsbury's you might look after amazon as the sainsbury's nam but it was a you know it's a tiny part of the business so it was pretty small a few years into working in that space we were working with nestle purina who basically came to us and said we're building a kind of digital center of excellence and we need help doing it. Um, you know, like all good recruiters do, I said I was very capable of doing that when I probably wasn't at that point. But, uh, you know, that was that was my uh, pretty steep learning curve into that space. So we did a lot of work with them to help them build that out. And kind of that was a bit of a you know turning point for me to think, right, this is going to be what everyone's doing over the next few years. So we should expand our business into that space um so it started out really in that world doing a lot of recruitment for for cpg brands predominantly looking at uh grocery online pure play so you know amazon and Ocado mainly but some other pure play business for them um started out there and then it's kind of broadened out over that seven year period into all sorts of areas but our, our kind of core clients now if i can try and put it succinctly is still cpg but kind of from 
you know, the Nestle's through to startups. Um, and actually, in terms of the kind of the proposition of those businesses, not just omnichannel, but, you know, pure D2C businesses, everything in between, right? D2C businesses who are going into Amazon and retail and traditional retail businesses going into to e-com. And obviously a lot more of those CPG brands are now doing D2C as well, where again, five years ago, most of them weren't. So we do a lot in that space. Um, we've broadened out to do quite a bit in performance media. Um, and we also work with a lot of agencies, digital media, Amazon, um, specific agencies and tech providers as well. So again, anyone kind of in and around that world, around retail media specifically, um, yeah, we would work with. Um, yeah, and a lot, I mean, a lot with Amazon aggregators over the past few years, but um, yeah, you know, that 2021 was wild for that and it's not quite the same as it was, but um, yeah, hopefully that's a, uh, a rambling but reasonably thorough overview. No, that's really, it's really good to get you to get that overview of where you've come from, where you're at now, because obviously e-commerce changes at such a rapid pace. I'm really curious to know. So from these big brands that you've mentioned, from their perspective, when they're going from this sort of more traditional B2B route, where maybe they hadn't had that much exposure to their customers themselves directly they always relied on third parties whether it's you know selling it into a morrison's or a sainsbury's or whether it's through cash and carry or, or whatever it is um and now they're pivoting and they're taking it direct to consumer route who are the first people that they're hiring yeah good question there's probably a couple of things to say there i think they when you talk about the direct to consumer route I guess and maybe we just kind of clarify that exactly because I don't know if you're referring to both the kind of marketplace route where you know ultimately you do have that direct relationship even though you know there's another platform facilitating it or you know traditional D2C I suppose where you are you know you own your own platform or whether it's both of those things. Yeah I'll say on the marketplace side again just to clarify that because marketplaces are funny other than Amazon, when I'm talking about marketplaces, I'm usually talking about the third-party model where the seller of record would be the brand themselves. Obviously, Amazon's yeah. the exception here where you do have the vendor model as well. Um, and that would mean that you know a Nestle could sell to Amazon who would sell it to the consumer or they could sell on Amazon directly to the consumer by themselves. And in that case, as you say, the marketplace is just kind of a, um, a middleman bringing buyer and seller together. Um, yeah. When I say direct consumer, I'm, I'm kind of throwing all of these things into the mix together, but the general gist of it being yeah. they're now focusing on this more, you know, they're getting the products directly to their end user rather than going via a middleman like a Morrison's or, or a Sainsbury's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's still, if, we, if we're looking at bigger CPG brands, then for a lot of them, it's, still a kind of test and learn phase to an extent you know maybe we're slightly beyond that but you know we're probably talking of their e-commerce revenue you know it's a couple of percent for a lot of them that is through those channels right now maybe maybe slightly more but still pretty small and then you know e-commerce revenue for the total business is maybe only 25 percent versus retail so it's a very small amount um and i think that is often reflected in how they go about resourcing for it 
you know, usually, and there are some exceptions to this, which I'll come on to, but it's, you know, we kind of incubate it within someone else's role to try and kind of get up and running and, and test and learn, as I said, get an understanding of it someone internally picks it up so if it's right we've got a massive like amazon 1p business but we want the flexibility and kind of ownership that comes with 3p and we need to split that out you know the person who does 1p might explore that or you know we've got someone else in the team who's looking after q commerce or pure play accounts or something and we'll give them that as a project to go and look at <coughs> um d2c d2c like what i would you know the more traditional D2C owning your own site, I'd say is slightly different because, you know, there's more of a build phase, right? There's, there's more investment required to build the capability to do that. So I think with some brands, they've that kind of thing. They would just bring someone in who has been there and done that somewhere else and understand that it's probably a, you know, a, a two, three year investment until you're even at the point where you're breaking even maybe but not even you know possibly not um or they'll outsource you know use an agency get someone to build it for them do as much as they can externally and try and manage it yeah manage it in that way so for these larger brands um that have what to a smaller brand might feel like a never-ending marketing budget or a, sorry i should say a never-ending hiring budget if they're looking at marketplaces as an opportunity to expand their business to go direct to consumer, who are they hiring um, and, and which team is looking after this? Is it is it like an extension of the marketing or the sales or the IT department? And are they using existing employees or are they hiring specialists in? And I'm, I'm asking this question to know what the big guys are doing so that the small guys know what they could maybe try and emulate. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that that last point I think is interesting because I think the the emulation almost comes the other way around at the minute because it's a lot of, you know, the, the, the success stories from a marketplace perspective over the past few years have generally been smaller brands, right? So smaller, like agile brands who it's in their mentality to jump onto something like that and, you know, quickly learn, move fast and grow a business very quickly with, you know, in a fairly lean way. So it's an interesting kind of comparison because for a lot of bigger brands, that's not inherent in the way they work, right? Like each account that they work with comes with, a joint business plan that kind of has to happen every year between them and the retailer and a very kind of strict set of criteria around, you know, pricing, promotion, product descriptions, etc. that then has to take into account all of the other channels they sell through and kind of cannibalizing business and revenue and margin elsewhere. So that like they're used to that approach and actually, you know, the, the, Marketplace almost doesn't tally with that in some ways, right? The beauty of it is you can get set up and going relatively quickly, low barriers to entry, you know, logistics, you don't have to worry about all of those kinds of things that, that FBA particularly has done so well, um, they don't have. So 
that point, I think, is, as I said, if you flip it the other way, I think the bigger brands who've done well with it are the ones who have actually understood that and been able to kind of incubate marketplace outside of their core business mm. to allow someone to actually be able to move fast and, and do stuff. Like I was talking to a, a fairly large CPG brand the other day who have a you know decent sized, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 million vendor size business. And I want to launch on Marketplace, but they're saying it's going to take them a year to, to even launch, which, as I said, like, you know, to small brands would be anathema, right? In a year, you've yeah. been doing so much stuff. And like for them, it's like, well, the kind of global like conversations that need to happen, the, you know, discussions with all of our other partners that we work with and which brands we can sell and can't sell and all of those things, the legal side, the logistics. So, yeah, I've kind of not answered your initial question, but I think that context is is pretty important because, it, yeah, it's the type of person they hire and how they do it very much depends on their mindset and whether they understand that actually Marketplace is an opportunity to do things differently, in which case they might bring in someone who, you know, has run their own FBA business or has come from a much smaller brand that's, you know, grown from zero to 10 million all on marketplace and kind of, you know, knows the ins and outs, has been there in the weeds, done it all, understands it, can move quick. That's for me is what's going to make you more successful. But often the question with that type of person is then, do they understand the political nature of, mm. you know, a business with that many stakeholders? That's always the, the balance. To say that, that would be a real challenge, I can imagine, for someone that's lived that Amazon first D to C world of building up a brand on a shoestring and, you know, turning it into a multi-million dollar or euro or pound a year company and then having to go and work in a place where it takes a year to make a decision on, okay, how do we get going on marketplaces? <laughs> One of them's got to change pace and there's going to be discomfort there, I can imagine. Yeah, exactly that, right? And most of the time, yeah, it's, it's unrealistic to, to expect a, you know, a huge business to be able to just change the way they they work very quickly. And, you know, it's not it's not the same thing, right? You you are or if you sell through if you have yeah, you sell through loads of other retailers already, you've got, you know, huge amounts of agreements in place on if we're selling this product with you at this price at this time, we're not going to promote it somewhere else at this time. You know, you have to take into account all of those agreements. So it's a it's a dynamic that's kind of hard to, to get right. I think the ones who, as I said, the ones who've done it well that I've seen have almost incubated it outside, you know, set up a part of the business, which probably ultimately still reports to, you know, sales in a way but it might be you know straight into a, a gm or a vp or something like that can ultimately you, it's a sales function can you name some of those brands that you think do marketplaces really well um i think the kind of typical example and this is not just marketplace specific but ecom specific which which ecom more generally which and actually they've they are now, I think, kind of disbanding it. But the model that AB InBev had with ZX Ventures. So ZX Ventures... So they do, you know, they do Corona there. and... and AB InBev is the, yeah. the big company behind Corona and a couple of other well-known brands, Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, I think Stella is one of their brands. Yeah, like biggest brewer, brewer in the world. 
but they have they have this ZX Ventures arm, which kind of the whole purpose of was for you know innovation and new business models. So some of that was through acquisition. So they acquired they've acquired quite a few um, drinks brands, marketplace like drinks marketplace businesses, other models and not and kept them separate from the the core business and, and incubated them in there and almost kind of let them run themselves but with you know the resource and the distribution that comes with being part of that group but they also pulled all of their e-commerce out of the core business put it in zx ventures and treated that like a, a kind of incubator in and of itself um yeah still had huge resource to hire loads of great people and build a team but i think that that structure is similar similarly we we did quite a bit of work a couple of years ago with William Grant. Again, drinks, big whiskey company. Not the same scale as AB InBev, but, you know, big brand. Um, family owned still, so again, slightly different. But they hired a guy as a kind of digital transformation, like chief digital officer from a consulting background to basically do a kind of... I mean, this is more of a root and branch digital transformation, but with ownership to build a team in the image of a startup and a lot of his background was in like consulting in silicon valley with startups and he kind of brought a very different mentality and mindset and hired a lot of kind of growth marketing people a lot of engineers like the kind of thing you wouldn't normally see in an fmcg business um now i think they're early on on that journey so it maybe remains to be seen exactly how it goes but again that approach it's a very different kind of mindset and pace of working. Um, yeah, that I think is is the best way if you can do it. Okay. So to to, to summarize that, uh, that's kind of it's it's a very different answer to what I was expecting. So what we've learned there is there's not that much that a smaller D2C brand can learn from these bigger B2B businesses on marketplaces because it's actually the other way around. These big brands are learning from the small guys that are doing it well, and they're trying to emulate that and get away from all of their red tape. But the the other side of that coin is D2C brands or brands which have grown on marketplaces or marketplace-first brands that want to take advantage of the B2B opportunity. Obviously, mm -hmm. B2B marketplaces is a rapidly growing space. There's a lot of new channels popping up where businesses can sell directly to other businesses who will then sell those products onto consumers. It might be influencers looking for stuff to add to their to their own um, merch shelf, so to say, or it can be you know larger, more traditional supermarkets or other online stores. If I'm a marketplace first business, and I want to copy the big guys and I want to start going B2B because instead of selling one skipping rope or yoga mat, I want to sell 10,000. How do I do that? Who do I hire first? What team do I need to build up? Yeah, good question. I think there's a couple of a couple of thoughts there. Like, I think the aggregator space, um, it was inevitable that it would come up, right, is, is a good kind of example of, of that and kind of what they need to do over the next few years now whether or not they're going to go into all of those channels we mentioned but i think the wider principle of that point stands and i think the point there is the difference between product and brand right i think you can probably scale to a certain size on marketplace being quite product focused because you know you've got the search volume you've got the kind of flywheel effect if you know how to 
tap into a lot of the kind of levers, then um, you can get to a certain point, right, without having a huge amount of brand equity, right? I was kind of, when I'm certainly talking to my team about this and like helping them kind of understand this when they're starting to starting out in recruitment, I always just say like, how how often do you know the brand that you've purchased on Amazon? You, you're product led. And the point there is like, did a lot of work with the aggregators when they launched. They were hiring loads and loads of like pure Amazon marketplace experts who are amazing at knowing how to grow a brand on Amazon or grow sales on Amazon, should I say, but you're not really having to do a huge amount of like brand building elsewhere. So I think from a, that comes back then for, to, from a talent perspective, you know, that's the kind of understanding you then start, you, you start to need that kind of knowledge. What are the job titles that I need to hire for if that's what I'm going, if that's what I'm going, like, obviously there's like, you know, buying managers or, you know, there's obviously, there's probably an opposite of a, a sales manager. Um, there's a lot of these roles which exist in these sales teams at a typical big brand like these ones that you're used to working with. Um, but for a small agile D2C brand that's marketplace first, maybe the, maybe it's an entirely remote team. Who do they need to hire to start getting a foot in the door at something like a Morrison's or, or a WH Smith or a Tesco or whichever one of these high street stores is relevant to them or B2B marketplace? Um, where do they find this experience in the B2B world that can mm. complement their D2C mentality? There's probably a couple of different people you would need in an ideal world, but you know, if you might not you might not have the kind of the budget to do that straight away. I mean, yeah, as you say, the opposite kind of the person who would deal with a buying manager would be a national account manager generally in an FMCG business. So a national account manager who as you say, like looks after the relationship with Morrison's or Sainsbury's, or if you're in a small business, you might actually look after all of the grocery accounts that you work with, or, you know, all of grocery and wholesale, or, you know, can be structured in different ways, but that, that type of person for sure, because then, yeah, you're, you're flipping from something where you have, you know, full autonomy over product price, you know, all of those factors to, as I said earlier, like it's a yearly joint business plan that agrees roughly how much volume you're going to sell to that business in that year, or at what price, when you're going to promote, you know, you have to kind of have a real clear calendar for all of that stuff and someone who understands that world. But as I said, I think the other thing there is you've got to have, and this could sit in different areas of the business, but someone who understands brand, brand building outside of marketplace, because again, the considerations around that are different, right? With marketplace, it's a lot around. Well, to a certain point, I would say you know, product, content, descriptions, right? It's all of it's all of those things, content optimization and 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 things like that. Whereas, yeah, if you're if you're looking at other channels, you have to understand, you know, how you build a brand across social, across you know, in-store activation shopper marketing um all of these other factors that play in so that could sit in various areas right it could be that you 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 have a kind of e-commerce marketplace expert who has been in a bigger business and understands that and can do that it could be that that sits within almost like a creative 
team you know a lot of a lot of big like marketplace businesses you know bring their creative in-house and those people might have a good understanding of that could it could be there's elements there if you need like a really good digital and performance marketing person who knows how to bring a brand activate a brand across all you know loads of other channels right paid social paid search affiliate crm understands all of that world so that one's a bit less easy to quantify or qualify exactly where that would sit but i think those skill sets are what you would need so obviously you mentioned budget and hiring these people for the first time can be hard so another option that a lot of businesses will look for is an agency whether it's finding like a an individual agent to go around and represent your brand at trade fairs and things like that versus an actual agency who might take care of some of this branding do you have any tips to help a business that's at that stage to decide whether this is something that they should be doing in-house or if it's something that they should be outsourcing to an agency? Um, yeah, I, I, I suppose. Or is budget think... the only factor? Is it something that if you can hire in-house, do it, but if you can't, then outsource it? <laughs> yeah, what, what I was going to say is I think probably you still need one person in house who can be you know the kind of custodian and kind of lead project manager even if it's not the full you know the full responsibility of their job i i certainly don't think and you know there'll be other people who know more about this than me but you're not going to get the most out of an agency if you don't have someone who really understands and has ownership over how to manage that relationship, right? That's the horror stories of people who have gone to an agency and found that it's not worked. It's probably because, you know, they've actually not given enough clarity and direction of how that fits into their wider business, not the other way around, right? It's probably, you know, maybe sometimes, but I think that I think that's the problem. So I think, like, for me, you probably want a marketplace person, whether or not their full responsibility is marketplace, doesn't have to be at all. You know, they might well be managing... Amazon vendor and some pure play and quick commerce or whatever it might be as well. But they have a pretty good understanding of Amazon marketplaces generally. Um, yeah. And, and are able to manage that. And again, I think the one of the big differences there increasingly is that, is that retail media element because it just isn't as, as important it doesn't play as much of a part i think with some of their other customers and channels so it's having someone who really understands that and i think that can sometimes be the challenge if you've kind of your background is all in grocery e-commerce or amazon 1p the chances are you probably don't have as much of an understanding of the kind of some of the tactics not just media but some of the kind of yeah granular level tactics that really help you scale on a marketplace um yeah i've gone off topic a bit there but basically that's what I, yeah i think you need someone who has a good good level of understanding and ownership of of the agency so to come back to that very first question that i asked then uh, in both cases whether it's a B2B, a traditional B2B brand looking at marketplaces and e-commerce as a new business model for them, or if it's a marketplace or e-commerce first D2C brand looking at trying to find their first B2B customers. In both cases, it sounds like the first hire 
is going to be someone that can drive that entire project. It almost needs to be an in-house project manager or um, someone that's going to really own that new business model who can then either hire more people in-house to implement that or that they can steer an agency who's more specialized in that uh, to help them realize those goals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I, I, like, I don't necessarily think that has to be someone who is an Amazon expert, which kind of maybe what I just said sounded like that. But, you know, it's there. Are, I've known some like really great success stories of people who've done it without any, you know, they're already in a business. The business is saying, right, actually, we want to kind of diversify. We're going to launch into marketplace. Is anyone interested in doing it? And someone's put their hand up, you know. It's the curio it's the curiosity that's important there, right? You need someone who is just like super curious and obsessive about what like what comes next, right? Because Amazon what 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 scales you on Amazon now probably wasn't what did twelve months ago, right? And probably isn't gonna be in twelve months' time or on marketplaces more generally. So yeah, it might well be someone internally who just has that level of kind of mental agility is able to learn fast be super curious and wants to constantly do it like, like that'll work just as well i'd say that's a really good point yeah that internal expertise that a lot of people often overlook for some, when they're looking at something new it's something we see a lot with marketplace teams when we're looking at it from the outside is that amazon expert they're great for amazon but more often than not, Amazon expertise will stand in your way if you're looking to expand beyond Amazon. And mm -hmm. actually having someone come in with a fresh view on things, perhaps with a different perspective on e-commerce or the business as a whole, that can look at marketplaces in general and not just Amazon, that is often more valuable than somebody who's too focused on Amazon. Because trying to take Amazon expertise and put it to, putting, putting it on eBay or, or Kaufland it's going to be in your way. It's going to be a hindrance rather than a help. And so mm. I like that a lot. There's going to be a lot of internal expertise there that people can draw on that will bring new perspectives when they're looking at this. But obviously that's got to be combined with external expertise on those specific new business models. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Much more succinctly put than I did, but that, yeah, I would agree. So, so let's, let's um, look at wrapping, wrapping this up. I, I'd, I'd love to keep chatting for an hour, but I'm, I'm, I'm very conscious that uh, this is a business, a business to business podcast and not everyone, not everyone's choosing <laughs> long enough that we can continue rattling on all week. Um, I like, I'd, I'd love to know Andy, cause you're looking at e-commerce from a very different perspective to a lot of people I talk to. Um, where do you go to stay up to date on e-commerce and, and marketplace news? Is there any, are there any people that you follow for updates? Are there any particular news channels that you, that you look at? Yeah. You know what? Mo most of it comes through LinkedIn through various different things, you know, on there. And it's probably, you know, I imagine a lot of the same kind of content and people that, that others follow. Um, and what I mean by that is like from a maybe, f yeah, different people for different areas. Uh, I think Profitero and Mike Black specifically is very, very good for kind of the traditional CPG world and a lot of the kind of like e-commerce insights that, that are going on there. From a marketplace and Amazon perspective, um, yeah, there's no shortage, right? Um, Melissa at Packview always has some very interesting stuff. George Reed, I don't know if you know George Reed, who mm -hmm. I kind of 
been connected to for a hell of a long time. I don't think I've ever spoken to him, but right. yeah, I was like his take on, on Amazon and, you know, his kind of content library that he talks about and his newsletter and things like that. Um, yeah, those are the two that kind of spring to mind, but yeah, there's no shortage, right? And particularly in the marketplace world, like that's what sort of I enjoy about it is that there's so much information sharing and knowledge sharing and like, it's quite easy to at least, well, from my point of view, sound like you know what you're talking about because there's so much people talking about it on LinkedIn and, you know, it's the job of a recruiter, right? Listen to stuff from other people, regurgitate it, make it sound like you know what you're talking about and you're halfway there. <laughs> All right. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time today. It's really appreciated. And yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there for now. Pleasure. Thanks, Jesse. Well, I'm really grateful to Andy for coming on and sharing his perspective on e-commerce from the recruiter and particularly from the FMCG perspective. I hope that you've been able to get some good advice on how to grow your own team, whether your next expansion is into marketplaces beyond Amazon or a new business model entirely, whether it's a B2B marketplace or large wholesale accounts. Once again, I'm Jesse Rag from eChameleon and thank you for taking the time to listen to Marketplace Jungle. If you've got any feedback on this episode, or would like to recommend a guest for future episodes, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn at any time. Until next time.